I'm your host, Mark, and on Perfect Pitch, I invite my friends to pitch me sequels to movies, and they have to do it in 60 seconds. So tonight, my guests are Andrew and Jerry. Hi. Hello. So, Andrew yes. is my brother. Um, what is your claim to fame? My claim to fame is <laughs> I am a unabashed nerd, geek, and I, there's little I don't do if it comes to geekdom. Sounds about right. Except yeah. for anime. Yeah. Okay. Period. No? Yeah. Not at all. Ah. Snob. Okay. Yeah. That's the one thing I snob about. <laughs> and Jerry. Hi. What? My claim to fame. Yeah. I know you're an actor. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, a, a thankfully working actor. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, keeps food on the table for the family. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, recording audiobooks, um, acting on stage, commercials, couple of films, don't want to brag, but you know, yeah. I get around. Hence yeah. the voice of Honey. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Well, actually, it's the voice of Honey, hence the actor, the audiobook recorder, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, as part of Perfect Pitch, uh, here are the rules. I'm a studio exec. I'm stepping on to an elevator in Hollywood. You managed to slip on before the doors close, so each of you is going to have 60 seconds to pitch me your movie before I alert security to remove you from the building. This is like your dream job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, my, my dream job is to deny people the ability to make two <laughs> So, after you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, after you've both pitched me your movies, then we're going to sit down and discuss more in detail. So, Jerry, you're going to go first. I have to go first. Yes. Oh, you're going right. to be the first to pitch. Okay. Um, I'm going to get the, uh, the timer all set up. So one, one minor ground rule clarification here. Once I slip into the elevator, I can't hit the emergency stop button. No, no. Okay. He's standing in front of the emergency stop. Oh, all right. All right. All right. So you're going to have 60 seconds to pitch me Mm -hmm. your movie. This film cashes in on the nostalgia craze that will... I think be a major selling point for it. It is a sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, taking the uh, some of the original cast members, obviously Matthew Broderick and Alan Ruck, currently now the President of the United States and his Chief of Staff, Ferris Bueller, President's Day Off. Mr. President wants to get out of the White House. He's finally had enough of it coerces his chief of staff to help him sneak out past the Secret Service, and they have a night on the town. Meanwhile, a large state dinner is being planned with the ambassador of Uzbekistan or some other country that the president absolutely has to be there for, or else international relations will explode. And so most of the White House staff is scouring the countryside trying to find the president. And he is... And time up. Well done. Well done. Okay. <clears throat> now, Andrew. All right. Give me your turn. Reset the clock. Great. Justing in a seat. <laughs> He's prepared. There are no seats on the elevator. I'm sorry. All right. And. Go. In Ferris Bueller 2, President's Day Off. Ferris Bueller, now President of the United States, has decided to go for a night 
day in the town at Washington, D.C., along with his best friend and chief of finance, Cameron, and Cameron's wife, Sloane. His only defeat in all of his life is losing Sloan to Cameron. While he goes out on a day on the town spending all the taxpayers' dollars, it comes to be revealed that actually Sloan and Cameron's children are having their own day of hunky, that the president has arranged himself, and the whole plot is a purpose. Its purpose of the plot is to give Cameron another day to just chill out because he is turning into his father, and he has to stop that from occurring. Um, we see cameos from the entire Brat Pack as a uh, tribute to John Hughes, including Breakfast Club and the Starbucks, and we even see Charlie Sheen as a drug adult senator on the floor trying to advocate for legalizing drugs so he can stay on the take with the large crime lords from And time. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So, let's go ahead and discuss these pitches. Okay. So, uh, Jerry, do you have any thoughts in mind for Sloan for, for your idea? My initial was actually to have her as the first lady. Mm-hmm. And then I thought one of my biggest disappointments in sequels, especially 20, 30 years later, mm-hmm. is when they try to get as many of the original cast members back in on as flimsy an excuse as possible. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time, for me, it doesn't work. Okay. So... I was just planning on sticking with Ferris and Cameron. Okay. Possible seen... possible cameo by maybe yeah. one or two, like, you okay. know, um, Louis Anderson as a delivery man, which mm-hmm. he also did in the original movie. Yeah. Um, nothing, no greater name than that. You know, no, none of mm-hmm. the original characters other than the two. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of keep it fresh. Okay. Sounds good. And for you... Yes. What what did you say the role of Alan Ruck? What was um, uh, he's the, Cameron movie? He puts him in the position of chief of finance, so he has access to all the money he needs for this. Okay. And as a further, it would be that he's actually been doing it every month, unbeknownst to Cameron. And at this time, he's bringing Cameron in for the sole purpose of giving Cameron's children a day off. So, uh-huh. but Ben Stein isn't the secretary of finance. No, Ben Stein <laughs> is still teaching. <laughs> and still, and, and now, and, and then you instead you can have the scene as seen as who was the X number president of the United States? Anyone? Mm-hmm. Anyone? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> okay. So he's still doing the exact same thing as he always yeah. has been teaching. Now, I would assume that there would be some sort of thing that would explain that Ferris is like the m- most popular president. Like he no he doubt. won like you know. 49 states with the exception of Delaware or something like that. Massachusetts. Mass- yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, who, who, where's the sausage king from? He's from Chicago, so I guess that's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be... Well, but there's sausage kings lost, everywhere now. If he lost Chicago... If he lost no. Illinois... No. No, 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 okay. no. Um, Now, what about... <laughs> what about Jennifer Grey his, uh, as Jeannie... It's a could, hard sell. You have, she doesn't look anything like herself anymore. I True. know, but then, you, but you only have to have like a single reference of when she shows up. Ferris just looks at her and goes, "Nice job." And I would be like, "Screw you, Ferris!" You know, something <laughs> like that. And then you just move on from there. She would, she would be a tour guide at the White House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nothing more keeping, than that, keeping really. an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The hard part of me is figuring out the foil, which could mm-hmm. be as simple as somebody running against him for the reelection, but it's got to be as good a foil as Rooney. Well, what if? What if instead of having it be a day out on the town in 
DC because yeah I mean there's there's art galleries and there's all kinds of museums and stuff like that what if it the plot had him out on the road campaigning and he takes the day or off on other camps or, or outside of the states yeah on, but then and that's on a state visit to Luxembourg yeah yeah he decides to take a day off a day off through Europe yeah, and then you want which to, you could do easily. And you play yeah. this, and then you say it's gonna you're gonna have an art gallery scene because you're gonna have mm-hmm. references back to the original yeah. at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a great crossover too. Is if the kids are out on the town too, you can actually have what the if, taxi scene and Ferris sees them and recognizes but, them, but Cameron doesn't, and you get the same juxtaposition with his father. Okay, but what if when he's got his kids, like, what if the whole purpose for Ferris taking um, Sloane and um, and Cameron out? is to distract them from realizing that their kids are having a day out exactly. of town. Exactly. Yeah. Until the big reveal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you, he keeps, he keeps like, distracting them away Con- the whole time. Yeah, crossing yeah. over. Now, you see, here is, mm-hmm. as I've said, one of my biggest pet peeves about a sequel mm-hmm. is that you don't want to lean too heavily on recreating segments, sure. scenes, ideas from yeah. the original movie. Mm-hmm. That would be a good argument for why I believe that Ocean's Twelve worked so well because it was yes. Ocean's, but it wasn't. Which people complained about, but it wasn't. It was a European heist. It was a different kind of movie. Yes, in the same universe. But Ocean, mm-hmm. Ocean's Twelve was also um, not originally an Ocean's movie. It had originally been written the entire. It was all twelve members were actually just a couple of guys. The entire thing was actually written Uh completely differently. That's where I think it didn't work because they they then had to sort of like force, I felt like they had to sort of force it in. But um, who would you have direct the movie? Because, no, we can't have the original director, of course, um, since John Hughes is dead. So who would you have as the director? And, you know, looking at modern directors now. Who do you think could actually pull it off? <laughs> uh, uh, first name that popped to mind was Mel Brooks, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> that would give a whole different yeah. field and flavor to Although he's worked with Matthew Broderick yeah. in the past. Yeah. Once yeah. or twice. Yeah. That, yeah. And I, I would lean away towards um, the director of, uh, like, uh, the, the, dark comedy, the dark comedies. Like, um, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh yeah, yeah, who could do the artsy style? But yeah, is going to lean far. Is not was not part of the eighties. Yeah, you wouldn't mm-hmm. want to go with like you wouldn't want to go with like Judd Apatow. No, I don't think he'd be right. But um, what about somebody like Dan Harmon who did Community? Possible. Yeah, it would have. He's got you know he's good at ensemble. It would have to be somebody yeah. with that good sense of comedy, especially ensemble comedy. Yeah, um, and not just simply relying on you know, one-liners, fart jokes, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, what about um, you? Had been talking about Charlie Sheen. So would As you a director? No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm, I'm sorry. Did you want the movie to ever come to theaters? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, shifting away from sure, sure. That um, with Charlie Sheen, his scenes. Like, mm-hmm. how is that gonna? Play it won't out? play into the plot at all. I, I think it's like cutting away to the to the school. Yeah, mm-hmm. Showing instead of the school, you have. You know, your nod to the school, but really it's about what's happening in Washington. Yeah. The little right. vignettes of, if, you know, who's on the phone? Who, what, where do you have Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the phone talking about a problem that's happening on the floor? And you get just a gossip between all of the all of the PAs. Yeah. Things like that. And then Charlie Sheen is trying to pass 
a anti-drug law so he can keep himself on the take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But and so he looks completely Oh, he's like just his drug just, out of his same, mind. Yeah. Almost, almost unchanged. <laughs> yeah. Leather jackets and everything. Yeah. yeah. Would you include little like references to things like the Ferrari? Like just like, you know, more little cameos. Like are you are, Jerry, would, are you I okay would with keep, cameos? I would cameos? keep I would keep cameos. I would keep the car. Yes. yes. Definitely keep the car. Okay. Um Yeah. Nods even to other films from that era mm-hmm. to yeah. try to to keep the make it not strictly a sequel and homage to mm-hmm. the original Ferris Bueller, but to that style, that period okay. of film comedy as yeah. well. Well, in that case, um, for his his foil in the movie, mm-hmm. the guy who's trying to yes. you know, figure out what he's up to. You could have it be the person that he's running against, and you could have somebody like Rob Lowe. Yes. Because he's very, very charming. You mm-hmm. can see him as a politician. Definitely. But you could also see a more sinister... Especially a crooked politician. Yeah, yes. exactly. That, that, would work. that would work nicely. Yeah. So I think, I, and I believe Rob Lowe had actually been one of the people who had auditioned for the role of Ferris Bueller. Ah, I did not so, know that. So getting him and a few of the other actors who had... Because Matthew Broderick was the original choice mm-hmm. for the film like that's who it was written for right but then you know john hughes still needed to go around and do auditions and things yeah. like that but he always intended for like matthew broderick to be the person but get a few of the other guys mm-hmm. like, Emilio estevez was one of the yeah options at one point people like that and have little well and, like and i think that ties in with the whole you bring the whole brat pack back in mm-hmm. sitting yeah. around the coffee shop you know because that that is a good tie-in to that era. Yeah. Anybody who's ever been in a John Hughes movie <laughs> could yeah. very well make an exactly because this would be sort of because <laughs> I think it would be a, you'd have a hard time selling. Oh yeah, Kyle MacLachlan. Kyle MacLachlan. He, he would be a good because he can play the debonair, but he could also yes. yeah he can be completely he could, he could also trash him a little bit yeah yes. Well, yes. you look at you look at Agents of Shield and mm-hmm. he's just completely. Mm-hmm. Nuts. Well, how, how just, do you beat the most popular president in history? Just look at the Flintstones. I mean, you know, he was an excellent villain yeah. in that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do an episode about the Flintstones. <laughs> Don't remake gold, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when the, in the first film, you had a, all the different things about Save Ferris and things like that. Yes. You could do a very similar thing, with, but instead it's re-elect Ferris. Re-elect Ferris or... Save, save Ferris could be also his pitch. It could be. Uh, yeah, it could his, be. His I, was, I, I was going to say either it's a re-election issue or it is leaked out, what have you, that the president is missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so find Ferris. Yeah. And then either one of those. So then, so how does this movie conclude then? Like, is it that he sneaks back into the White House past the snipers and everything? Sneaks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Something you would probably have to do to get this movie made today would be to include at least one decent car chase with a lot of collateral damage. Okay, but do people know and that so, it's him? Uh, eventually. Yeah. You know, the, the Ferrari would come crashing through the, the picture window at the, in the White House Grand Ballroom as the <laughs> banquet is about to begin. You know, come to a screeching halt at the head of the table and he steps out and rings the dinner bell or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. What about your... Oh boy! Uh, I was gonna go more sentimental at the end, just because I I think that the scene with the with the Ferrari is 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 
probably the most important scene in the entire film. So you mean after the crash where he finally like where he destroys the car and that whole thing? That's yeah. the point is that in the end, not a movie. It's not a movie about Ferris. Yeah, it's mm. a movie about Cameron. He is mm. just he's not the he's not he's not the main character because mm. nothing changes about Ferris. He's right. the same as he starts as he ends. Mm-hmm. Cameron actually goes through. He takes the journey. Mm-hmm. He comes back the different person. Yeah. Um. Wh- really quick, that car was actually not a Ferrari. You guys know that? Oops. Yeah. No, it was... Well, no, it was a Ferrari. Okay. But it wasn't. <laughs> so what they did was they took the um, the chassis of a different car mm-hmm. and they put... They made a fiberglass Ferrari top. So the body like, was a Ferrari. Because, it, because it was actually really, really expensive for them to rent. Because there's only, what, 100 of them made that they said in the movie? Which is accurate. Yeah. So for them to rent one of those was going to be way more expensive than for them to build a brand new car that they <laughs> would go in and, and trash. But it was so well done and so accurate that they actually had car enthusiasts like were writing into John Hughes and getting really, really upset with him for destroying one of those Ferraris. <laughs> it, actually, it actually wasn't a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah. Little known fact then. And it's also a little known fact that you really can't turn the odometer back by driving in no. reverse. Yeah. But they're 16. What are they? That's true. Well, 18. Also, Ferris did not own a car and he lamented that. But he owned a synthesizer and that synthesizer back then cost $8,000. There so you if go. He, if he really wanted if a Ferris car. Ferris gave him the option. Do you want the synthesizer? <laughs> or the computer? He it was a computer. computer. Yeah, he got the computer. That's right. And that computer were actually really expensive. Yeah. As well, but yeah. but yeah. that synthesizer was a house you start working with the rest of the world. Exactly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so do you guys have anything else to add to the to your ideas for about Ferris? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think makes a sequel great for for like um, especially for these movies? they've started to do where they're either either doing like a semi-reboot or bringing out a movie taking place mm-hmm. years later with the same cast. The story. It's mm-hmm. got to have a good story just to start with. Mm-hmm. The simple idea of, hey, let's make another one of these movies with these people mm-hmm. will get you, you know, to page one. Yeah. After that, it's the story that's going to make or break it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what I think the story is the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. As you were saying with Ocean's 12, mm-hmm. that story existed and yeah. it became an Ocean's movie afterwards. Mm-hmm. The story was solid. You need that foundation to build on to make a good sequel. Yeah. Okay. Andrew? I think uh, it includes um, homage, improvement, and familiarity. Okay. So you need mm-hmm. that. You need to be able to have enough of a hint that you realize this is part of the same group, mm-hmm. but there's been an improvement in their plots, but mm-hmm. you're going to have some backwards backwards movement. For instance, the, the Expendables would be a good example. Mm-hmm. Totally 80s. The 80s means there's no really connection to the next plot, except that you have mm-hmm. the same characters, references to the old characters, and then a little bit of, of, of self-deprecation too. Mm-hmm. Like Chuck Norris telling his own Chuck Norris jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that that, that also applies L to sequels that come out immediately after like do you think that there needs to be references to the previous film like for example empire strikes back is the best not not only the best sequel ever made probably but 
possibly one of the best films ever made. Uh, but it doesn't have, like, they make reference to Luke Destroying Death Star. But there's not, like, you don't see another Moss Eisley canteen. But I wouldn't call it know. a sequel. No, I wouldn't yeah. either. The, those three films, particularly, mm-hmm. are, in essence, a single unit. That's true. They are the three complete, acts. The complete hero's journey. Part of a yes. series. Just so, like a book series. Exactly. Is, is a, you're going to have, you have to reintroduce the character every single time. That's mm-hmm. the way story is told. You, mm-hmm. yeah. you, every time Luke shows up, well, who's Luke? You're going to have something to reference who he is. You have to have Han and Leia argue so you know that they argued last time and remember mm-hmm. that. You, know? yeah. you need that familiarity of your friends showing back up. Mm-hmm. But they didn't need to have pre-references mm-hmm. as opposed to sequels like Ocean's Eleven where you have to truly reintroduce yeah. everybody and say, so you we think promise this is an Ocean's Eleven movie. Yeah. So you, th- so you're, you think that this, mo- this mostly applies to sequels that are years later that they need to make sure to have homage to the, the previous one. That makes mm-hmm. sense, yeah. Okay. Well, that, in, in, in much the same way, um, it, it's cooled off a bit now, but you know, in the heyday of let's take this old TV show and turn it into a big screen movie, mm-hmm. same thing there. You had to do so much mm-hmm. to reference the original show yeah. to hold people's attention, but you also needed something fresh. You needed yeah. a good story uh, to you, make it work. Have you seen The Man from U.N.C.L.E.? I started to watch it. I actually really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm a big fan of like 1960s mm-hmm. spy stuff. I, I love the was, TV show. I thought it was an incredible, incredible movie. Like I think they did a really great job with it. I'm also a really big fan of Guy Ritchie as well. Okay. So his super dramatic. Well, I, I like Guy Ritchie style. That, yeah. that particular well, film though didn't hold my interest. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so um, we're going to go ahead and move on to our closing segment. Which is Guilty Pleasures. Oh dear. So this is the part of the show where my guests admit to me what their Guilty Pleasure movies are. What movie are you embarrassed to tell your friends you secretly love? Or what movie do you um, do you really, really love and you know that when you tell people that you love that movie, you know that they're going to cringe and say, that one? <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and break the ice. And I'll tell you my guilty pleasure movie. Josie and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats was fantastic. It was a spot-on satire of the modern music industry. It actually had really, really catchy songs. And it was this, like, amazing girl power anthem that was... Actually, it was a really really good film. And um, I think it... Like, it and that thing you do would probably be my, like, the best two movies about music groups, I think, um, that I've ever seen. Well, I, I would have to agree with you on that thing you do. Yeah. Yes. I, I'll admit I haven't seen Josie and the Pussycat. You should. It's, I will now put it on my list, though. I think on it's your recommendation. It's really, really good. It's really, really entertaining. <laughs> and it was, a, it was before, it was a, a sort of the beginnings of a bunch of different actors' careers. Um, Rosario Dawson was mm. one of the Pussycats. Um Rachel Cook had already Rachel had Cook, her, yeah, she already had her. her, her, yeah. her that was kind of like one of her last films after, um, after she's all. Back. She played Josie, and then mm-hmm. uh, Tara Reid. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was around the same time as American Pie. Yeah. So it was just at the beginning of her like three or four year long yeah. popularity, and then um, uh, Alan Cumming is in it as well. Mm-hmm. Parker Posey. They're two um, <clears throat> big, huge radio execs, and there is a there is a boy band group. That is called Du Jour. <laughs> that is fantastic. And it's made up of Seth Green. Seth Green. Oh, uh, 
uh, best friend. Turk, Turk from um, yeah from Scrubs. Oh yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, the, yeah, the other the other half of uh, Robot Chicken. Yeah, the other half of Robot Chicken. Yeah, uh, Donald Faison. Donald yeah, Faison. Donald Faison. Yeah. The other half of Robot Chicken. Can't remember his name. Um, and um, and then one other guy who was like not known, but basically you could tell that the whole all of the jour scenes were shot in a single day because they were fairly well known actors. <laughs> and then this one third guy shows up near the end of the film and. Um, it was because they were like, oh yeah, we can get that guy. And then they, they showed all the other guys in like full body cast. So they didn't have to worry about like getting him for a second day, but it's a really, really funny film and it's fantastic. Um, so Andrew, all right. My guilty pleasure is the, uh, Arthur Rankin Jr. Return of the King cartoon from 1980. Yes. That is by no means a guilty pleasure. I, I, I have no problem Bursting out anywhere in any of the songs from that movie just to drive people crazy. Yeah. <laughs> because where there's a whip, there's a way will always get you moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And, and it is so quintessential to everything that is absolutely wrong with early, late 70s, early 80s fantasy. Mm-hmm. That wanting so bad to capture the essence of Lord of the Rings and just getting it completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, I mean, beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. And it's probably the best, besides the movie Lord of the Rings Gollum. It's the golem was perfect spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could definitely take like you any, know circus based it on. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely take any scenes from that movie and put them together into like a hair metal band's like oh anthem. fantastic, and it would be yeah. really beautiful. Well, yeah. how how would you say that compares to uh, the Rankin Bass Hobbit? Then I love the Hobbit. Yeah. I've actually never seen the 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 Fellowship, the middle one. I've only they seen the Hobbit. Rankin Bass did Fellowship, Fel- but they didn't do anything else. And then it was, it was um, somebody else did Fellowship. No, and the, the Hobbit and um, Return of the King are the same anime. That's Rankin Bass. Yep. Um, and the middle, uh, Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi. Bakshi. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I, I did see. I have. I saw some clips of it, and it's definitely of the three. The bottom. Oh yes, it's yeah. terrible. But the, the he first, made it. The Hobbit was great. In essence, uh, Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, as it was titled, yeah. Yeah. was the the book was a book and a half. Yeah. Is what he tried to squeeze in with the yeah. intention of making the other book and a half as off of the profits of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. of which, which there happen. weren't none. Yeah. So yeah, it's not worth the time. Well, and it was all animated over the over, top. and sometimes they didn't even remember animating. Yes. Yes. They just yeah. literally just kind of put them in there and hoped it was good enough. Yeah. 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 But 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 the the uh, the, the Rankin. Oh, yeah. absolutely, fantastically done. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. That was my first exposure, actually, to okay. The Hobbit. Was the that was, I think that was mine, too. I don't, we hadn't read the books at all or mm-hmm. anything. But else. our grandparents had the movie and we watched it. Very yeah. like, over and over and over again, yeah. And there was a bo- we played the board game, too. There was a yes. really fantastic board game. <laughs> Good board game. It was amazing. It was just candy layer. Each, and the yeah. Nazgul ruined your life every single time. And, <laughs> and then you were collecting rings along the way. Like, there was to a payoff. There Nazgul. were rings everywhere. And then at the end, you just threw anything you had left into the fires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. Uh, Jerry. Okay, guilty was, pleasure. Yes. Um, well, I, I have to kind of bend the rules a bit here. Uh, my initial guilty pleasure response would be Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yep. yeah. Just because it's been a holiday classic in my life since early, early on. Oh, yeah. I saw it on the big screen oh. when it was first released. Really? I will admit to that. Huh. And I've... He doesn't look that old, don't worry. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I cherish my DVD copy of it. But the one that I mentioned that gets that type of response from people, you really like that movie? Return to Me. 
Mini Driver, oh, yeah, yeah, David the, Duchovny. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. A rom-com that mm-hmm. is perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Supporting cast, including Carol O'Connor and Robert Loggia, David Alan mm-hmm. Greer. Come on. Yeah. It's And then Bonnie Hunt and Jim Belushi. Yeah. Bonnie Hunt directed it, who I, I would watch anything that she directs. Mm-hmm. And I think she was also a, a co-screenwriter on it. Okay. So, Return to Me. Highly recommend. I, yeah. I will not deny that I watched that single by myself, mm-hmm. and I've never had a movie in the first five minutes have me on the ground in tears. Yes. I Five minutes of bawling. Yep. I had to stop it. Yeah. And then continue watching it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just, I was wet. It was so bad. Yep. It was, it was so sad. <laughs> that reminds me of, we went, me and uh, Bridget took the kids to go see... Uh, which one was the the latest Pixar movie that had the oh it was uh, uh, Inside Out we okay. went to go we took the kids to see Inside Out and the opening is the the movie Lava mm-hmm. yes and yep. and near the end me and my wife are turning to each other and are sobbing <laughs> and we're like this is a really bad sign because <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the actual movie yet. <laughs> and it wasn't no we we were a mess by the end of of Inside Out too it was. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh Bing Bong. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, all right. So I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh so thanks thank you all for being here. Gentlemen, where can people find you online? Do you guys have any official online presences? <laughs> Not really. No. Um I would highly recommend if you're at all interested in listening to audiobooks, go to booksinmotion.com. Okay. And look me up there. And you should also are you on IMDB? I am oh, on yeah. IMDb. Yeah. Yes, Jerry Sharia. Yes, how do you spell that? S C I A double R I O. There we go. Andrew, that's a long name. S C I A D O U B L E A R. Okay, got it. Got it. Good. Right. Accurate. All right, Andrew. I I have no online presence right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You have a stuff. Facebook page. I have a Facebook. Okay. Page. Well, yeah, my, yeah, yeah, his own private, yeah, like not, yeah, yeah. not no official ones. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up about there. Um, we have, or I have started a Patreon for Perfect Pitch. Um, you can check that out. I'm going to leave that in the show notes. Uh, next episode, I'll have the, I'll say the link and everything like that. So uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.